welcome to today's podcast. Wednesday, June 8th, we have... I should double check, but I think I saw this right. Today's guest is Alex is still recovering from COVID. She is, uh, she's over the worst of it. She's got some uh, Paxlovid. Yes, I'm giving, I'm violating her HIPAA. But she uh, got the antiviral, doing much better now than she was earlier in the week. Speaking of uh, healthcare, fairly certain today's guest is a doctor, Dr. Heath Deal. I believe I got that right. If I did not, I'll come back and edit this. We have a guest coming up shortly to talk about something in the arts community that we have not discussed before. Not the art museum. Uh, not our friend Dom with uh, the ballet or anything like that. Not the Stranahan. Something a little further south after a um, a friend reached out and said, Hey, can you talk about BSP? BSP. I'll leave that for when we get to our guest. Um, BSP, uh, the actual three words. It could be like a, a WWE team, um, a throwback hip-hop group, or... Something that might get you interested and get you out to a show or a performance. First up, I know um, as I began, you might have thought, I'm in a wonderful mood today. Eric, shaking the funk. Not quite. Um, Some heavier things, but let me start with this. I did get to go see uh, a friend that I have not seen probably since since before COVID. Uh, Her name is uh, Renee Resco. She was one of my friends in the Jewish Federation, um, oversaw or was part of the family services. Uh, the Jewish Federation and family services has a pantry that's open to anybody. Um, there's a lot of senior programming and, and older adult programming, and I think that was Renee's forte. She recently stepped away and uh, made as big a transition or as big a, a pivot or a 180 when it comes to going from one job to another, one professional life to another, as anybody really could. She is, a, I'll call her the owner, proprietor of Learning Express on Monroe. Um, Learning Express Toys, which I guess that's been there for years and years. Um, the person that owned the three before, There was one in Ann Arbor, that one on Monroe, Uh, and I've been in the one at Fallen Timbers before. Uh, Renee has since told me that that place is closed as after I wrapped up going to uh, Bark in the Park in the movie theater theater the other day, I walked halfway down from the movie theater um, towards Dillard's at Fallen Timbers, and mostly everything was closed. Gap's been gone. I didn't know Express closed, and that Learning Express door, which is very cool, not Totally in the bullseye of the things I like to purchase. My adult toys and collectibles. Not adult toys like that. But games and interactive things for kids of all ages. Some fun things. Some learning things. Some discovery things. Um, I guess, and I have a point here. I guess if you smashed together the the store at the Imagination Station with um, a toy store. A traditional toy, toy store like KB Toys. Did you have those here? If you if you fuse those two together, that's what Learning Express is. And um, I'm so happy to see Renee doing so well. Um, I'm happy to see that little niche toy stores like that are enjoying a rebirth. Um, it's because we've lost Toys R Us. I remember when I was a kid. You might not have had these here when I was a kid, and I went when I went to go see my mom's mom, Grammy Bale. 
It was, I was, it was always different to go see my mom's mom than my dad's mom. Totally different activities. And with Grammy Bale, um, and we would go to Roosevelt Mall. It was like a, the Roosevelt Mall, Cotman Avenue, Bustleton Avenue. It was the shopping corridor, like like Monroe here, Monroe Street. Um, and there was a Clover and a Toys R Us, lots of stores, a Sam Goody, all the 80s and 90s stores that you may or may not be familiar with. There's, there was Toys R Us, but there was also a Kitty City two giant ki- two giant toy superstores that I would get to go to with uh, with Grammy Bale. Um, toy stores vanished. KB, Toys R Us. We had heard some noise that Toys R Us was going to come back in like um, little boutique ways, but I haven't seen any of them. Not not open really anywhere. Maybe I'm missing it. Um, and it's great for kids to be able to go into Walmart or Target. Um, and touch things and going down the toy aisle and stuff like that. But to have a have a store, and it's great to shop online um, to get to save a couple of bucks to get things that you might not be able to buy locally or um, just online only stores. But I'm glad that that kids now um, have the opportunity to do what we did when we were kids and go to these toy only stores and touch and play with so much and just feel like we're walking into Santa's workshop at the North Pole and as far as eyes can see nothing but toys and things we want to play with have own yearn for and I'm sure for a time when the toy stores closed kids didn't have that I'm glad places like this are whether I've overlooked the fact they've always been there or it's a true rebirth or renaissance or resurgence uh, I'm excited. Learning Express Toys. Check it out. Um, they do have stuff in there that I would buy. They have the cool Lego stuff um, from all the, the big brands. The Star Wars and Marvel and all that. And lots of learning toys for kids of all ages. And some other things that um, if um, when if the, if the radio station was as active as they were in the past, where we're always out places, at fairs, festivals, and I mean like all the time, you get some fun games to take out there, um, like the Jimmy Fallon type physical cha- double dare type things to to go out and play with. Renee told me that a lot of college kids come up, come in and buy the icy machine, and I knew immediately why. So can I tell those kids? Can I remind those kids that come in for the icy machines? Um, walk to the other side of the store and grab some of those also like Jimmy Fallon or Ellen type games, like the five second rule. Do your icy with whatever you're putting in there. Uh, don't over drink, please. Uh, and play some of those games. Okay. So thanks to my friend Renee, uh, for allowing me to come by, uh, another nerd thing real fast. It looks like a, uh, a Joker sequel with Joaquin Phoenix and the guy who did it, Todd Phillips, is is coming. Um, can't I, I get it? We've we've got to make as much money as we possibly can, and when things do well, we want to see if we can soak more out of that. But I love that movie as a standalone. I think it told the story well, especially because for me, it was seventy percent a mental health movie a story about how people fall through the cracks and go from rough times to psychopaths and 30% a Batman villain movie. And I think it should have been um, opened and closed as opposed to continuing the story. And I'll leave that where that is. Uh, I did see an editorial today an editorial today in The Blade, and I was unaware of this. It looks like Tarda is not going to be doing any kind of in-bus or on-bus advertising. They have plenty of... 
money down the pike, whether it's from the uh, the American Rescue Plan Act or Build Back Better or whatever that is, wherever that money's coming from, the editorial did point out, uh, and this is from the, the Blade editorial board, they said, um, what did they say? Uh, it's kind of short-sighted because that money uh, might not be there forever. And even before that, um, I remember when I was um, throwing some ideas by way of TARDA, when I took my trip on the bus uh, to opening day, I noticed you have a lot of open real estate here um, as far as like places to advertise, to sell marketing. And it can be kind, it, it, it could become like an eyesore, but whatever. It's a captive audience for the same reason you have to pay $12 for popcorn at a movie theater. It's because you're a captive audience. They have you. If you want food, you have to pay those prices. Um, Minor league baseball stadiums, as we know, at the third field, uh, all over the place, there is an enormous amount of advertising. Some of it can be an eyesore, but we're used to it now. You could totally do that on on buses, inside and out. And even if it's just not straight advertising, um, there could be really informative um, information in the in those buses. You know who. The people are who are riding the buses. Target those people with places that could help those people take the next step if they so choose to in their life. It doesn't all have to be straight in your face advertising, buy this or PSAs. It could also be entertaining or engaging. Do not let the unused real estate go, please. Three more quick things than our guest. Um, I have mentioned this in some passing from time to time. Uh, You might have heard me say here or on the air, um, practice some personal deflation. I read that from the Tyler Cowen blog I referenced from time to time a couple of years ago before inflation has gotten to where it is. Um, And we can cut corners in our life because we really all have to buy gas. Although one way of maybe... Enacting some personal deflation. If your boss, if you were able to, if your boss was cool with um, you working from home when you had to be there and they're uh, they're okay with hybrid, have the conversation. Ask them, hey, do you mind if I do some work from home so that I can save some money on gas and travel? All they, the, all they could do is say no. And we're going to come back to worker stuff in a couple of minutes after I read a great profile of Chris Smalls, a labor leader. Who doesn't dress like someone you might expect? We'll come to that in a couple of moments. Um, I told you that I am buying store brands, and I have never really done that before. Um, another way, as as the cost of meats and chicken and eggs has has gone way up, I've told you the chicken I was buying at Kroger, $1.99 for the family pack of, uh, of uh, what is it, skinless, boneless, $1.99. So what's that, like a 50% increase? Sorry, I'm never good at doing math on the fly. Um, So now what I do to make my chicken last a little bit longer, um, I usually cook it all up um, once every week or 10 days or so, and I don't use as much on my salad, and I eat the same thing basically every night, salad, and I'm going to come back to that as a suggestion for you in a moment. Um... You can, uh, I, I use a little bit less of the chicken and now I, to make sure I'm, I'm getting protein and the protein is what's the, what's the filling part of the meal that satiates our appetite. So, um, to make sure I'm getting that protein, 
I now also make a box of protein pasta, also probably store brand. And I hold off on a little bit of chicken and I put some pieces of the protein pasta in the salad, which brings me to, I would say 98% of the people listening right now would like to lose a little bit of weight. I was trying to think of a way to go, I'm going to have a better body, blah, blah, blah. I'll just go very general and broad. We'd like to lose a little bit of weight. I, I, I don't know what I'd like to lose. I have not been on a scale in a long time. Um, I go by how my clothes fit. And now in my, am I still in my early 40s? Or is 40, 43 is on the borderline. 43 could be early 40s or mid 40s. Mid 40s to me, 44 or 4, 5, and 6. Then we get into late. Anyway, um, my body is changing. But I, we'd all like to lose a little, little bit of weight. Now is the perfect time to do a couple of things. Save a couple of bucks on your food budget. And also, maybe lose a little bit of weight. Um, while the cost of produce, fruits, and vegetables has gone up, I don't think it's uh, microeconomic minds here with macroeconomic thoughts. I don't think it's the cost. Uh, I don't think it's supply chain stuff anymore. I think it's the cost of gas to get things we're buying to the stores where they are. In fact, it's kind of surprising if you do the math that with gas prices having doubled, you'd think some of the, the goods that we buy would have doubled because those goods have to get from where they're grown or produced to where they're sold. Knock on wood. Please don't let that happen. And um, I, I I have not been to Monette's for whatever reason recently. I've just had to do more shopping at Kroger, so I just knock my stuff out there. Um, but I loved going to Monette's where I could get a week's worth of, I bring in like celery and carrots, um, little snacks like that to work. Um, and I eat salad every night for dinner. Tomatoes, onions, like a dark green lettuce. What else? Carrots, cucumbers, broccoli, sometimes some avocados, but they've been very expensive lately. So I took those off of my shopping list. Um, Monette's for the longest time, the prices didn't go up. They've gone up now a little bit, um, not unexpectedly. But one of the things that you might want to do is back off on buying the meats and the chicken and things like that. Now would be the time to save a couple of bucks and buy more fruits and vegetables. You kill two birds with one stone. Yes, the price of my cucumbers have gone from whatever, 59 cents to 75 cents. And it's like a 10, 20, maybe 30% jump. But the the produce is still cheaper than the meat. So maybe now is the time to consider eating a little bit healthier, eating a little bit greener, adding some more fruits and vegetables. And again, you can save some money by not having to plunk down for the expensive meats. Expensive meat. Not the best way to segue into this, but have you followed the Deshaun Watson stuff? His lawyer last week said, uh, there's nothing illegal about a happy ending. He actually said something. He definitely said happy ending. Uh, A 24th uh, accuser came out and the New York Times did a pretty exhaustive, as you'd expect, comprehensive story that there were like 66 women involved and um, his former team, the Houston Texans, was giving him NDAs, non-disclosure agreements to have these women sign. Um, I don't want to get into all of this because we weren't there. There are certainly a lot of women, at, at the very least, he had a 
eyebrow-raising amount of uh, massage therapists. And I'm inclined to believe uh, many of what they said. Um, And I finally come to to some clarity on this point now. What he did with the resources at his disposal instead of manipulating women, violating them, damaging damaging some of them, as some of them have said, for potentially life and making them leave the profession which they loved, uh, with his resources and his desires, um, it should have been more legally transactional. Uh, in other words, let's consider legalizing prostitution, which isn't it in certain parts of like Nevada, parts of Vegas. If he was able to go somewhere to pay for this, It's a legal transaction. He gets what he was pretty obviously in search of, the happy ending, and no one feels violated or assaulted. It's pretty icky. Um, And I don't think the Browns have gotten enough criticism for bringing him on board and paying him as much as they have. Last thing, I read a really great profile last night on Vox.com of Chris Smalls, who is the Amazon labor union leader. He worked in Amazon, was well-liked, and uh, you're pretty familiar with how this goes, I guess. Um, He got fired because he was, you know, kicking around the, the union ideas. And this is becoming a national thing as far as, like, people he's gathering and other people are reaching out to him within Amazon. He uh, he went to the White House, wore his, his fitted hat, do-rag, sweatpants, and Jordans. Not what you would think a typical labor leader looks like. It's a pretty unusual, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, unusual picture with him shaking hands with President Biden in what is likely the White House. You don't usually see people are dressed up, but this guy is sticking to sticking true to what he is. He is authentic, and I appreciate that. I do wonder, though, two things, and I brought this this point up before. One, I don't know how much good it is to unionize, unionize within Amazon. Um, it is one of, obviously, the largest employers here and on the planet, so it, it includes a lot amount of people, and what Chris Smalls is doing is extremely important, purposeful work for many people, but I gather by the time they actually make any union headway within Amazon. Amazon will have automated everything in those factories. I've never been, um, and I know they're already heavily automated, but Amazon has nearly limitless financial resources, and I can see them automating entire factories and getting rid of humans because humans get sick. They need personal time. They need rest and all the other things. Robots don't necessarily need that. The other part of this is, especially now, with you being able to go anywhere, almost anywhere, for a better job, better money, better treatment, um, with how many places are hiring, and then you have to decide whether you want to do what my friend Renee did, go from the Jewish Federation to running a toy store, if you're willing to make that type of professional life change, maybe for more money, or be treated better, to get better benefits, whatever they may be. What I don't get is, um, and again, microeconomic thoughts, uh, macroeconomic thoughts from a microeconomic mind. Uh, I don't know if these unions, as voluminous as they might be with people, and I know that interest in unionizing has gone up after we hit like a, a centuries-long low, um, I don't know 
if all the people will be able to overcome the resources of the places they're attempting to unionize against. Starbucks, Amazon, whatever else. Like, these places will do dirty things, and it only takes, like, a couple of people to break up these union efforts. I think, like, Starbucks can go to a couple of people who are considering voting yes and go, hey, we're going to give you X amount of dollars or, or give you this perk, and all of a sudden, your vote is no against union, and the whole thing falls apart. That's why... I think instead of doing the traditional route of asking for better pay, benefits, being treated better as a collective in a union, throw the dagger. Like, whip out the ace card. Walk away. Like, I, especially now. In the past, people couldn't walk away from jobs. Remember when we had the nurse strike? Was it Bercy? Um, on Cherry Street a couple years ago? A lot of those women and men could not just leave. They they struck. They were they went on strike. Um, they didn't have the opportunity to find other jobs, and they just wanted more money to be treated better where they were. They couldn't. They weren't willing to step away and maybe take a pay decrease to go work somewhere else. Now those jobs are plentiful, and I sense unless you're willing to completely walk away, you're not going to make as much ground as you would like. For instance, and again. Please uh, share insight with me on this if you're able to, and we'll get our guest here in just a moment as we wrap this up. Instead of uh, Chris Smalls doing what he did, what if he was able to round up how many ever thousands of, of employees and instead of unionizing officially to get those better benefits, leave? Do you know how aggravated and upset we would be? Now, granted, Amazon would probably hire new people Maybe even for less money than what they were paying Chris and his people. But do you know how aggravated we would be if we were no longer getting our goods and services for the prices and timeliness that we expect from Amazon? Let's use another example. And everybody seems pretty happy at Target. What happens if you went into Target? What happens if I went to Target tomorrow and they were closed because they didn't have enough employees? Not because of COVID, but because they were tired of being treated the way they were. They were unable to unionize and they just said, fuck it, we're leaving. I think you have to be able to take the uppercut to get what you really want. Black Swamp Players, let's get you interested in going to a show with Dr. Heath Deal right now. Let's get started here. You are, I didn't know that Leah was sending me a doctor. <laughs> Not that kind of doctor. <laughs> well, look, I'll take any kind of doctor I, I can get. I've had an Obama fellow on the podcast. Nobody's topping that, but I'll take a doctor of any kind. So, okay. Uh, it's good to connect with you. And um, I don't know what Leah told you. She just kind of popped up out of nowhere. And uh, I am a novice when it comes to. Uh, theater and musicals and okay. art. I do not attend a lot of these things, but so many of my friends <sighs> attend and are big time performers. Like when we had the uh, Toledo Ballet drama up here, I had a good friend on to to hash all that out. So I'm always happy to have some friends on to talk about um, the arts and performing community here on the podcast. Wonderful. Well, we love that, and we're always happy to promote. So, thank you. Sure. Tell me, uh, Black Black Swamp Players has been around what since like the late '60s, a long time. 
a long time since 1968, which is enormous for any kind of nonprofit, but particularly for an arts nonprofit. It's amazing that we've been around so long and we're having kind of our, our second act, as it were. Um, we got a new building. We're no longer nomadic and we are coming back with a vengeance. Uh, where are, I, I had a hard time deciphering on, on the website, but again, this is why you're here to answer questions. Where are the majority, if not all the performances at? So we have a building. It's an old church. Uh, we are downtown Bowling Green on Oak Street. Um, people who are from the area might know it as the old Plan Do Talk, which was a, a daycare, a little preschool. And now we are a small black box theater right there on Oak Street. Excellent. Um, I, if if I get the schedule right, you've is Mimi's famous company. If I got that right, is that the final performance of of this season? And then there's like five it shows is. moving into the next season. That is correct. Yes. Uh, okay. So tell me about it as we wrap things up here uh, in the next couple of weeks with Mimi's famous company. Well, Mimi's is the first winner of our playwriting contest. We started a playwriting contest for local playwrights several years ago. It was before COVID, and then COVID, as we all know, kind of shut everything down. And Mimi's is the first winner of that. We just announced next season and the second winner of that. But we're doing this playwriting contest every year. We encourage local playwrights, whether they've written a one-act, a full-length show, a musical, whatever it is, um, to submit. And we will choose one, or if they're one-acts, maybe a couple, and they will get a full production within our season. That's awesome. Mimi's, yeah, it is. Um, we really want to, now that we have our own space, we want to find ways of not only doing our own shows, but of supporting other artists and not even just theater artists. But um, yeah, so Mimi's is by Nina Wright, who is a local playwright and actor and director. I mean, she is a woman about town and it's a hilarious play about a very ambitious 16 year old who starts her own card company and has a lot of ambitions and will do anything to achieve them. Um, I love the idea of getting uh, young playwrights the opportunity for this. And I, I'm not saying, do you compensate them? And I'm not trying to drill you with that question, but do you compensate oh, no, them no. at all? We don't. Um, but, you know, they do get a full scale production of their show. But the other part of this program that we really want to emphasize going forward is that we see this as a workshop. So during the rehearsal process, we really want to find ways of involving the playwright with that process so that they can improve their script even more and they can come out of it not only with a production under their belt, but with an even better workshopped script. Yeah, there's, there is. I, I totally see the value there. I was asking because I know uh, it can be quite pricey to license some of the the musicals and performances that that Absolutely. people want to do, right? Like when when you do Rocky Horror Picture Show, like I had to learn this from all my my friends when they want to get the scripts. Like just because they're floating out there on the internet, there's still a cost associated with that, right? There is. And for musicals, it is significantly higher than for straight plays. So, yes, there's a big cost for rights, for scripts, 
um, things like that. And with something like this, this local playwriting contest, we obviously don't have the rights to secure because we've been granted that permission with them entering our contest. Yeah, it's a great idea. It checks a couple of different boxes. Um, Absolutely. Can, can let, me go, let me go backwards a little bit. Um, give me yeah. some some more of the history of blank, Black Swap players, um, some of the, the legacy or if there's familiar performers that might have come out of the area, um, people that might names people might be familiar with? Sure. Well, like I said, you know, we started in 1968. Um, I have not been around that long. I've been around maybe five years. So I don't have the most knowledge of the organization, but I've tried to bone up over the last five years as much as I can. And so we spent a very long time being nomadic and not exactly, you know, going from place to place all the time. There were about 20 years when we were in the Woodland Mall here in Bowling Green. There were about 20 years when we were at the First United Methodist Church, and that's the last place that we were before we bought our own space in this um, church-turned-daycare-turned-black-box theater now. So um, we've been around a long time. We've performed in any number of spaces here around Bowling Green. We're the only organization in Bowling Green to really address actors, directors, whatever, of all ages. We do have a wonderful um, youth and young adult theater company, Horizon Youth, but we are the ones that kind of do shows for everybody in the community, and so that's really important for us. How did you? Uh, how did you initially get involved? What was the draw or appeal for you? Well, it was when Black Swamp. I don't know if you knew about this or remember this, but um, right when I started, Black Swamp was the board had voted to shutter the organization to end operations. And one of the past presidents and somebody who was really intimately involved with Black Swamp for many, many years, Bob Hastings, he had put a letter to the editor in the local newspaper and said, I don't want this to happen. Anybody who's interested, you know, contact me. And I had thought about joining Black Swamp for a long time, but at the time I was board president of Wood County Humane Society, and that took a lot of time. And so I was like, well, I'll join when I have to take my one-year hiatus, which is right now. Um, and I decided to join earlier than that because it seemed like Black Swamp really needed support. And I felt like with the experience that I had gained from being on the Humane Society board that I could offer something to that organization. Um, I have a, I, I've worked with the Humane Society there a couple of different times. Um, yes. A few years ago for, there was a reverse raffle. I got to see Jerry Anderson do uh, his auction thing. And yep. uh, a friend of mine, Andrea, Andrea, um, yep. had invited me to be a part of some things before. So, uh, and I think my, my friend Jody is now, not the dog warden, but oversees the Humane Society. Or maybe it's... I, I think you're talking about the dog warden, yeah. Yes, and I told her yes. that she's got to change, not the dog warden, but we're going to change her name to something friendlier for that. So <laughs> I am familiar with the animals in Wood County, so I'm glad we have that connection. Was there anything specific that you had connected to the arts community before this? Um, well, you know, I've, I've been involved with theater for all of my adult life, um, really starting with college and even before then um, in smaller ways. But I took about 20 years off once I went to graduate school and focused on teaching and my career. 
And then I came back with joining this board. And then I, like I tend to do, I went in 300% or whole hog or whatever you want to call it. And so now I'm on the board and board president and acting and directing and doing really whatever I can to support this great organization. Excellent. Um, to look forward to next season, I think I've got the yeah. list right. Five women wearing the same dress, Marjorie Prime, the Spitfire Grill, the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, Not Quite Gone. I think I got all those. That's that's the upcoming that's season from 22 into 23, right? Tell me a little bit about those shows. Well, we're really excited about, I mean, this first season um, in our new space, which is the current one, we thought was amazing because we had some, you know, old names like Neil Simon, some new and more edgy stuff like Tracy Letts, August Osage County. We thought we had a little bit for everybody. And I think next season, we just really elaborated or expanded on that. We've got shows that really hit for actors um, a number of different demographics, whether we're talking age, whether we're talking gender, whether we're talking race, ethnicity. We wanted to do a season that virtually any actor in the community, if they wanted to be part of Black Swamp, they could do it. We also wanted to tell some stories that maybe Black Swamp has never told before. So, you know, we have the first show of the season, Five Women Wearing the Same Dress, is about a group of bridesmaids who are holed up in one of their bedrooms um, while the reception is taking place. And these young women are kind of dealing with some of the big questions that most of us dealt with when we were in our you know, mid to late 20s. Marjorie Prime takes us to the other end of the life cycle where an 80-ish year old woman is dealing with the loss of her memory and the introduction of artificial intelligence to her life. Um, we've got a great musical, The Spitfire Grill, which has a number of roles, particularly for um, middle-aged people like myself. Um, Curious Incident is going to be phenomenal, and we've got a really interesting director coming in from New York for that one. And then Not Quite Gone is the winner of the playwriting contest this year. So we think it's a fantastic season. We're so excited for it, um, and we're still going strong with this season. For somebody like me, who is a, a, a very novice theater goer, and I like more, I would prefer more plays and acting than singing. Singing always loses me. And I feel bad okay. when I, t I, at least my friends know that. Which one would you see, uh, suggest that a novice like me might enjoy most of the upcoming season? I mean, I'm partial to Marjorie Prime because I'm directing it. I saw that, and yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's I think it's the best script out of all of them. I think it's really brilliantly written, and I love the playwright. Um, I think, though, for somebody who is a novice, as you say, to theater, you would probably like either Five Women or Curious Incident. I think Curious Incident, I don't know how the director is going to approach it, but it's got a lot of possibilities um, in terms of how it might be staged. Whereas five women, it's basically uh, realism. It's basically realism, um, and I imagine it's going to be staged pretty traditionally. Um, so it'll have that familiarity to you. Whereas Curious Incident, I think it has just such an exciting, interesting story and a lot of of neat ways that it could be staged. But um, Marjorie Prime would be where I put my money. <laughs> what was the? You said it was an older woman losing some memory, and there's artificial intelligence. 
Yeah, it takes place in the near distant future. Um, the woman Marjorie Prime. Well, her name is Marjorie. Um, but she was born in 1977, so she's a little bit younger than me, even though in this play she's in her 80s. And um, she is dealing with memory loss, and we're living in an age where there are these things called primes, and there's a prime of her deceased husband, Walter, and he's there to help her remember. So her daughter, her son-in-law, they feed this prime stories that then he has conversations with Marjorie to help her remember. It's really lovely. It reminds me of a novel that I dug into sometime during COVID. I never finished it up, but I, but I got out of it what I wanted. It's called Clara and the Sun. Are you familiar with it? I'm not, but I'm putting that on my to-read list. Let me give you the the quick, short paragraph wiki. Um, set in the U.S. in an unspecified future, the book is told from the point of view of, from a uh, point of view of Clara, a solar-powered artificial friend who is chosen by Josie, a sickly child, to be her companion. So, quite a, uh, a renowned. Uh, novel. I'm not much for novels. I, I like nonfiction, but it was interesting. And yeah, uh, it seemed to connect close to what you're going for. And good luck with the directorial uh, efforts there. Thank you. Last couple of questions. Um, one thing I had noticed on the site, um, and when I have friends in the arts community on, I always ask, you know, if people want to get involved. But beyond the performance aspect, it looks like you're looking for other people who might not want to be on stage, but maybe work behind the scenes and, and exercise some creativity that way. We always are looking for volunteers, you know, and I, I think, I mean, I experienced this with the Humane Society, too, where people are like, oh, well, I don't really want to walk dogs. And you're like, well, what other skills do you have? Because there are so many things that a nonprofit needs. And so I think sometimes people look at Black Swamp and say, well, I don't act and I don't direct. So what could I really do? Well, do you have good communication skills? Because we need PR for everything we do, whether it's social media or it's sending out traditional press releases. We need people who can take photographs of our productions. Um, if that's not your thing, maybe you have some kind of painting skills and we could use you to help paint sets. Um, you know, so there's all kinds of things that people can do. And, and you know, if even if people like to clean, I don't particularly, but <laughs> we have our own building now and we have a cleanup day every month. And that, you know, if somebody wants to come and just work with us, picking up leaves outside or cleaning up inside in some way, organizing the prop room, we would welcome any kind of help that people would want to give. Are you a, a, are a barely alive body? We will take you. We will find something for you to do. Absolutely. Because, you know, the thing is, all of us have skills to lend to nonprofits. And if people like theater, but they don't really want to be on stage, we have many ways that they can help support the local arts community. Uh, everything for tickets and so much more. Blackswampplayers.org. Is that the best place to direct people? That would be a great place. They can also go to our Facebook and um, we will post periodically there with all of the upcoming shows and tickets and what have you. So yeah, blackswampplayers.org or our Facebook. Um, last couple of questions. What are you a doctor of? <laughs> doctor of philosophy. So I have a PhD in English and my background is in theater and performance. Wow. I very... That fascinates you. We would have some great discussions. I will have to come down to a, is it grounds for thought? 
Yes, I, uh, I would love to sit down over coffee at Grounds and chat. A great spot, a great spot. And then last thing, give me a, a restaurant or another spot like that in uh, in BG that is not uh, the super popular places that you really enjoy. Yeah, I love Sunset Bistro. Where's that at? It's, well, I was going to say, it's right up here on Worcester because I'm on Worcester Street. Um, that's where we live. But it's right down the road from our house, right down the road from the uh, hospital here on Worcester Street. And it is just a really lovely little place. Um, they have all kinds of neat specials that you don't normally get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I and they have a range of food. So I, I just really love Sunset Bistro. Excellent. Thank you for the uh, thank you for the tip. Thank you for the conversation. I'm glad Leah connected us. Uh, uh, break a leg with the last performance of this season, and good luck with everything moving forward. Well, thanks for having me. It was great to chat with you, and I hope we connect again. We'll do. Thanks, Heath. Take care. Yep. Bye bye.